So excited to tell you guys about Airbnb experiences. I just, I just experienced one myself and it was great. We all know the feeling. You go someplace local, you want to find actual experiences to do with local people. Well, Airbnb has set it up. More than 1,000 cities, they have vetted these experiences for quality, for curious people like you. I just did one. You know, uh, Airbnb asked me to do one of these experiences so I could speak honestly to the show. It blew my mind. Since I got the newborn, I said, let me do something in Queens. I found a Jackson Heights, Queens nighttime food walk hosted by these very nice people, Greg and Jumi. They were great at what they did. They knew everything about food in New York City. I plugged it on the show last week. All you guys came out, a whole bunch of listeners. It was totally in the spirit of Beautiful Anonymous. A bunch of strangers came together, did an activity, learned about you guys. There's a professional clarinet player, a lingerie designer, a dietitian from the Bronx, a Navy guy, a guy who grew up in Japan, a girl who's about to move overseas. I, I got to just hang out with strangers, walk around, eat good food, put money in the pockets of local vendors, and learn stories from strangers in just a totally cool, friendly environment. Two thumbs up from this guy. Thanks to everybody who did it with me. Check out airbnb.com slash experiences to learn more. Want to be more informed about what's happening in the world? You're going to want to check out The Skim. Skim is a great, great resource. It's a daily email newsletter that has everything you need to start your day. I am a subscriber, and it is clean and simple and well worth being a part of. In just five minutes, get the major news and events explained in a quick and easy way. It is free. And it's delivered right to your inbox. You can subscribe at theskim.com slash stories. That's the S-K-I-M-M dot com slash stories. And be entered to win a $50 Visa gift card. Hello to everybody who's betting on themselves tonight. It's beautiful anonymous. One hour. One phone call. No name. No holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one, I think it'll be more fun, and I'll get to know you, and you'll get to know me. Hi everybody, Chris Gathard here, welcome to another episode of Beautiful Anonymous. Very psyched to bring you a show through the magic of phones, what some might say is antiquated technology. Connecting the entire world, one human being at a time, is that too lofty description of my own work? Yeah, probably, but we're doing our best trying our hardest. Last week's episode, The Cuckoo's Nest, I really enjoyed that one. Uh, people did, <laughs> I did hear some feedback uh, on the Facebook group of people saying, hey, you may have maybe took the insane asylum themed restaurant a little far for someone who's been a public advocate for mental health, to which I will say a fair critique. Quite the fair critique. Thank you for that. People did, uh, I, I, I did feel a little bad about that, all facetiousness aside. Thanks for calling me out on it. People did leave their uh, favorite theme restaurants for me in the comments. This one has me very interested. Uh, Maria in the Facebook group said, Heart Attack Grill in Vegas is a fun one. While I was there, some men got too carried away with the nurse spanking theme. But other than that, it's pretty fun. You have to wear a hospital gown while eating, and shots are brought out in pill bottles. Some drinks come in IV drips and jello shots in syringes. That sounds like my nightmare and also heaven on earth. So, Marie, I'm going to check that out the next time in Vegas. Thanks for the heads up, Heart Attack Grill. Uh, this week's episode, I am really psyched on this one. This one kind of hit a sweet spot that I think is one of my favorite things about doing Beautiful Anonymous, which I think a lot of listeners have echoed over the years, which is that this caller is so laid back. She's just telling us about her life. It's not melodramatic. It's not overly planned out. You can tell she's not sitting here thinking about it. It's just detail by detail, letting us know things about who she is and how she's lived 
an experience she's had. And it's laid back. But by halfway through the call, I'm sitting here going, wow, you have lived a lot of life. And it keeps building. But again, it's not drama. This is not a scripted show. This is real life people gutting it out, making it through their days, their months, their years. This caller is a, uh, a single mom who's just rolled with so many punches and tells us about it in a really human way. That reminds me that every time you see somebody sitting across from you in a coffee shop, walking past you on the sidewalk, they probably got something to say. This caller is a, a, a really prime example of that. Enjoy the call. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello? Hi. Hi. Is this Chris? I it, think I'm supposed to say that, right? That is the traditional beginning. Yes. Although, that, is, that is pretty typical. Although I wasn't sure if you were asking because I do not sound like myself at all today. I've, I've, uh, well, and I, you know... Yeah. Do you have a cold or what? I had over the weekend. I got like one of those twenty-four hour flu stomach bug things, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm totally healed up. But it seems like the aftermath is that my voice is gone all these days later. Right. But it was actually really scary because my son doesn't have his vaccinations yet. He's too young, and I got. Oh. Yeah, so I had to quarantine myself away in the bedroom, and him and my wife hung out on the other side of our apartment, and then he got a little sick, and then we had to bring him. We spent Mother's Day going to the urgent care. I felt really bad. My wife's first Mother's Day (laughs) was really scary and tough, but he's doing good. Isn't that about right, like doing doing like the real parent-mom things for the first Mother's Day? (laughs) It's a lot more real than people say. It's just, Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot that goes into it that you don't know about. Yeah, everybody says, oh, you're going to be so tired. <clears throat> and now I'm a month in and I'm like, it's tired. I wish I was just tired. My entire life has been <laughs> upended into a nonstop chaos. I That's, thought I was tired before. Yeah, I didn't know tired. Now I just walk around sounding like this. Yeah. And I got it easy. <laughs> I'm the one who has it <laughs> easy. Okay. Yeah, my my wife's the one who's got it really tough. She's yeah. got a little heat. Like that. She just Well, we're breastfeeding. Yeah. Yeah. So Oh, yeah. Okay. So there you go. Like I I I didn't do that, but Yeah. I tell everyone it's like I'm saying yeah, like I understand. People it's pretty pretty intense. People ask me like, "Oh, what's changed?" and I'm like, "Well, this tiny god man now exists and he's turned my wife into his milk slave and I'm her minion. <laughs> I'm her minion. That's my new role. Is he screams. In turn, I have become a minion. Yes. Yes. He, he screams. We pray we can figure out what he wants and then eventually she winds up somewhere stationary so he can feed on his milk and then I... <laughs> I wind up just like boiling pots of water and I have no idea what they're for. Things like that. <laughs> that seems to be it. Now, That's how are you? Great. I've, yeah. ma- I've made it about me. I'm, I'm I've made it about me a little too much. How are you? Oh, okay. Um, I'm, I'm doing all right. You know, just, I actually um, was on hold listening to the music and I was, <laughs> 
telling my boss, I'm like, hey, so I usually just call in for shits and giggles, you know, just never really get anywhere with it. And now I'm this far. I'm like, so I might disappear for an hour. <laughs> She's cool with it. That's She's cool. Like, yeah. She's like, well, you're stepping out of your comfort zone. <laughs> I'm very proud of you. I'm like, I don't know. I'm kind of nervous. Oh, that's nice. You got a cool boss. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. She's pretty awesome. It's just us in the office. So it's not, we're not too crazy right now. That's good. That's good. And it's a gloomy day, kind of. It stopped raining. So that's nice. But that's good. Yeah. It's pretty beautiful in New York. It's like the two weeks in New York where it gets warm before it just smells like pee. It's my favorite stretch of the year. Warms up all the all the tasty smells of the city. It, eventually, when it gets too hot, then it just smells like pee everywhere. But right now, it's just warm, so you get to just walk around That's New York that. soaking it in without all the pee smells. Yeah, yeah. Here we usually we usually have about mm, a week or two of perfect weather before it gets so hot that you don't even want to be outside, and it's, it's humid here, so it's mm. like. You choke on the air when you breathe sometimes. Mm-hmm. It feels like mm-hmm. like you can feel the air that you're walking through. So, mm-hmm. But it's all right. It was really nice yesterday, but and it rained. Yeah. So. All right. Yeah. But, yeah, so, um, I mean, I was actually just thinking um, this morning, and I guess it kind of relates to the music that you have on your, well, some of it. Um, I have a lot of concerts coming up that I'm going to, that I'm really excited about because these bands that I thought I'd never see in my life. Oh, wow. Like reunion, like bands that are reunited. Um, well, what, one of them is a 30 year anniversary, uh, for the bouncing soul. Mm -hmm. And they're doing, and, uh, I think on that leg of it, they'll be with Spring and Utters. And I think um, there's one that just came up, I think earlier this week. Um, My friend got online and bought six tickets uh, at 10 o'clock because she's like, I I mean, I don't know why I bought six tickets, but (laughs) you never know if I'm going to need them. I'm like, well, I mean, I think you only need one and I need one, but. I'm sure we'll have a lot of friends that want to go, but it's um, the distillers are playing in them. And we never thought they'd be like in our state. Really. We're just right in the middle. That's cool. Just, we don't, we don't always get a lot of love. <laughs> now, can I tell you, you mentioned the bouncing souls, which first of all, a band that I have great fondness for because I grew up in New Jersey and I went to Rutgers in New Brunswick and obviously you feel yeah. like a great connection to them. But I'll tell you two things about the Bouncing Souls. Here's my two experiences with the Bouncing Souls. When I was in high school, I saw them at the Wetlands in New York City, and I got right up front, and the singer accidentally kicked me in the face and broke my glasses. So there's experience one. Experience two. And (laughs) God forbid anyone was at this show. They can vouch that I am not exaggerating or being self-deprecating. I was once hired. uh, Brooklyn Vegan put together a show. That was uh, one of the guys from Gaslight Anthem played and the Bouncing Souls played and a few other bands played, but there were real New Jersey themes. They asked me if I would come in and host the show. It was at the Music Hall of Williamsburg, which is a rather large venue. 
and I am not exaggerating when I say it, maybe the hardest that I have ever bombed was hosting a show that the Bouncing Souls played. They couldn't even look me in the eye afterwards. I didn't speak to any of them. Oh, no. Because I was just, every time I went out, I was, I mean, to say I was booed would be a softball describing what the situation was. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Yeah, so I have a little bit of a collateral damage when the Bouncing Souls come up because I just immediately start right. to shudder. But doing comedy on a music show, I think, is the hardest type of comedy to do. But I'm glad you get to see them because they put on a yeah. hell of a show. And they got a lot of great tunes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and right now I can't even think of any of the other ones that yeah. I'm going to in the next. Well, there is actually one, um, I think right after that in September, it's Social Distortion and Flogging Molly, which will be pretty awesome. You and I but share some musical tastes. I know. I I have I have realized that over the course of you know, listening to the podcast and stuff. I'm like, God, he really does listen to some really awesome music. Well, Social Distortion but, um, I have an interesting relationship with because they put out so much stuff and I love all the hits. But I also, uh, one of the highly informative experiences of my youth was they were they were one of the bands featured in a documentary called Another State of Mind. And I don't know if you've ever seen it. But it was. I don't think so. It follows Youth Brigade and Social Distortion as they go on tour around America, and it was one of I think kind of regarded as one of the early big like punk tours, like overly ambitious punk tours, where they bought a school bus and they went all over the states in Canada. It was <laughs> kind of beautiful and kind of a disaster. Awesome. I saw it when I was in high school, and I think it really <laughs> informed my approach to comedy as far as doing it yourself. I'll have to look into that. Features a very young Mike-ness. Nice. Yeah. So we've chatted about music and the weather, and I'm happy to do that the whole time if you'd like, but I also feel like I should ask if there's anything else you'd like to talk about. I mean, not, not really. I just... Uh, <laughs> I, not in particular. I love that. I love that. I didn't have any, like specific thing like I I was telling my boss I'm like yeah I've called in a ton of times and usually just get usually busy so this was like no different than any other time for me I mean besides the fact you know that I got through but um I was just kind of just just clicking it to see if it would go and sure enough um but I don't know I guess I kind of have an interesting life I don't know I have a I have an 11 year old daughter, so that's oh, that's cool. A lot. <laughs> yeah, is it still yeah, a lot? Yeah. I was hoping you would say that's a joy because it's become so easy <laughs> and such a breeze. Oh, well, um, it was for a while. Oh, really? But I mean, now she's now she's. I mean, I wouldn't say easy, you know, but um, she uh, just is becoming a preteen, you know. So, oh, so she, she, preteen she, girls are pretty wonderful, you know? Is she tes <laughs> testing the power <laughs> dynamic? Testing out the, the uh, limits yeah. of this? To be fair, she has probably been doing that her whole life with me, but I was young when I had her, and I've been a single mom throughout most of it. So she, it's been her and I for a long time, you know, and we have a pretty great bond, but at the same time, like, 
I have to remind her, I'm like, hey, I'm not your friend, I'm your mom. Yeah. Don't forget that. Yeah. We can get along. We can we can play video games together. We can do this and this. I go, but when I say no, I'm your mom. And if I say because I said so, that's why. <laughs> now let I'm me ask mom. you, because you've you've laid out your musical interests and you're a punk rocker. And I I identify as one as well. But I think many people would say that the maybe the maybe the actual core tenet of punk rock is question authority. And now you're a mom. I know. <laughs> so when your child questions your authority, you're like, because I said so, which might be the least punk rock thing to say. <laughs> I know. Okay. Yeah, I know. But I'm just trying to make sure that she becomes a person in the world that doesn't suck and is nice to people and, you know, takes other people into consideration and realizes the world is not revolving around her. Yeah. But, and then you go and see social distortion thing. on the weekends. Exactly. Mike Ness is smashing <laughs> beer bottles against the wall and shouting about all his regrets and the things he was wrong about. And you're like, this one is... Of the, this one of the funniest <laughs> things I always say is like, I love punk rock, but I am like... I have always been like a rule follower my whole life. Wow. That's it. It's kind of a, I know it's, it's totally contradictory, but it's, it's, I don't know. I love it, but I also don't like to get in trouble. So yeah. I don't know. All right. Single mom. That's a tough gig. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, um, in high school when I had her. So oh, wow. it was, Luckily, my parents, uh, my mom was also a young mom, not with me, but my, my oldest sibling. And um, so she was super understanding, you know, as, as much as you can, you know, just supporting her child when mm-hmm. going through a rough, rough patch. I even look back on it now, you know, 11, 12 years later, and I'm like, holy smokes, little girl, you were tough. <laughs> Yeah. Going to school and, stuff. and I went to a Catholic school too, so it was. So how, how how Catholic did it get? I mean, eleven years was this the uh, you know the traditional Catholic school thing? Is people are like, no, I don't know your name, but just it, people would be like, "Where's Jane?" And they're like, "Oh, she's studying in France for the year," and that's code for she's off <laughs> off off in a convent somewhere secretly giving birth. There's like that classic story. No, no, um, it it's pretty laid back typically um well it was when i was there um you don't hear that so often how was your catholic school experience Eh, pretty laid back you don't hear that that's not usually what comes up when people bring up that they went to catholic school i mean i think i don't know that's cool (laughs) i like hearing that yeah okay okay but um yeah i i think now i i don't really know how it goes now but i know after me people were leaving if that if they became pregnant so i don't know if they had to or if they wanted to or what but i didn't i just stayed and there was only probably one teacher that kind of gave me the eye you know like yeah looked me up and down like a, and stuff. i'm like hey man lay was, off. was he a priest or just was he a layman uh, it was a woman, oh, was. but she, um, she was my Spanish teacher, I think, but I don't know. She was just very, very, uh, 
more religious than most, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That sucks. That sucks getting judged. Getting judged when you're a kid who's in over your head. It's not a good way yeah. for people to be. Yeah. Yeah. But it all turned out, you know, we always said it was kind of a blessing in disguise type thing. And I can't imagine my life without her for sure. I think yeah. I'd be in a very different place if, you know, at all. Like, I don't know. I feel like bad things could have happened had I not had her on, on my mind, you know? What do you mean? <clears throat> just, um, I guess, mental health-wise and um, probably, like, substances. I, I don't know. I feel like something probably could have gone south. Wow. <laughs> pretty bad. Did you have, did you have friends? 2014 who... was a year for me. It was pretty rough. 2014? Yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of when everything kind of came to a a head, you know, where I needed to make a decision on mostly my mental health, which I know you are a big supporter and advocate of speaking freely about. And I love that because I know when I finally found the help that I needed, um, it was literally life changing. Just the whole feeling was, I just felt lighter and like this whole new world opened up to me that I could have been living in before, but it just, it was so dark before, you know? Yeah. I have similar feelings. It's tough. I have, I I really do try to have very few regrets in life, but I, uh, I had the same experience as you in, in that sense of like, oh, I'm living a different life that didn't seem possible. And then you go, at least in my case, like, why did I spend so much time resisting changing that? Yeah. I had so many, so many years where I was hanging on to this idea of like, no, 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 I can handle it. I can do it. And then I finally got help and I was like, fine, it'll, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh man, I just spent, you know, large portions of my college age years my creative free run around New York city years, these times that are supposed to be like carefree and exciting. I spent them full of dread and anxiety. Why didn't I, why did I do that? So anybody out there who's listening, I think you and I would both agree. Act now, give yourself as many years as you can where you're on the other side of that. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm doing some math in my head. I'm doing some math in my head here. And yeah. you said that okay. you said that having your daughter helped you kind of keep your head on straight and stay out of trouble. Now your daughter's eleven, mm-hmm. but you said things came to yeah. a head five years ago. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. So yeah, I mean, and it was a few years um, prior to that, you know, that we're now that I look back, I'm like, well, it really probably started about here, you know, and and when it really started to go down downhill, but. Um, just, yeah, a lot of self-medicating and, um, just destructive behavior and, um, finally, finally just, well, in 2014, I usually, is when I, when I look at it was a really, we had a really happy family thing. Like my younger sister got married, um, in June. 
And that was awesome. We were all looking forward to it. We all had a blast. It was beautiful. Um, and then seven weeks later, my grandma, who was my last living grandparent, passed away. Um, so it was a really beautiful thing and then a really sad thing happening all at once that, um, well, you know, within a, two months of each other, when I was already in a really just sad spot um, where my own emotions were just <laughs> up and down all the time. Um, but I remember sitting um, in the church at my grandma's funeral and you know, looking around at my family, also sad to be losing our grandma and just thinking there's no way I can do this, you know, to them on, on purpose or something. You know, I had a lot of, uh, ideation and stuff. So every day I just wished something terrible would happen to me so I wouldn't be to blame for it. And I never realized that that's, that's a real thing that is like diagnosed. And I just thought, I don't know. I don't know what I thought. I didn't think it was normal, but I just thought it was just just me that thought that way, you know? Let's go ahead and pause there. Because if there's one thing this show has taught me, it's that that's almost never true. That, that, that idea, I thought it was just me that thought that way. Not a lot. We're never alone. In the moments when we think we are the most alone, we are never alone. It's not good to think about. As a soulful heartfelt moment of emotion. I think the best thing we can do right now is follow that up with some crass capitalism. We got ads, we got sponsors, check them out. When you use the promo codes, it greatly helps our show, so please do think about it. We'll be back right after this. You know, I have been in a position at certain times where I am the person who's hiring others. With my TV show in particular, it was the Chris Gethard show. I had to make some calls about who to hire. It was hard. It was stressful, took a long time. We had a lot of applicants. Tough to figure out how to go in the right direction. But there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash beautiful. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they do not stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com slash Beautiful. That's ziprecruiter.com slash beautiful. Ziprecruiter.com slash beautiful. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Thanks again to all of our advertisers. Now let's get back to the phone call. I just thought, I don't know. I don't know what I thought. I didn't think it was normal, but I just thought it was just just me that thought that way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... So, but it was sitting there and sitting in that room of just sadness and grief where I knew I, I had to keep 
going. And to do that, I had to get help. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you did. It definitely wasn't happening on its own. (laughs) Me too. I'm glad I did too. Because life, there's a lot to to do left. I'm still young. There's a lot to do. Yeah. I know what you mean though, of that, that tricky thing that I'm sure some people out there identify with and some people are going, wait, what do you mean? And there's like a level, there's a level, like when you say ideation, like some people might hear the idea of like suicidal ideation and think like, oh, you're making plans and you're choosing a method by, and you're fantasizing about how your death will mm-hmm. go. But then there's that other side of it that I remember really going through as well, like you say, where it's almost these thoughts pop into your head that's scary. Like you're like, you're like, you know, walking past a construction site and you're like, oh, that would be pretty cool if that machine fell on me right now. And then you're like, wait, what? What did I just think? Yeah. What the exactly. fuck did I just, what was Who's that kidding? fucking what? thought? Who said that? And then uh, you spend the whole day like, holy shit, where? I kind of scared. Do I really think that? Yeah. So I know what you're saying yeah. and I'm glad you got out of yeah. it. I'm glad you got out of it. Well, and I think there was, I can't remember where I heard you mention this story, but something you were driving and went off the road, you know, that story for me, like I've thought of that a lot. So then when I heard it, I'm like, you know how it is. Like when you, you hear your own thoughts coming out of someone else's mouth, you know, that kind of thing where are your own feelings that you haven't been able to express or you didn't know how to talk about or put into words coming out of someone else where you're like, yes, I feel that. I understand. I I get that. That's exactly what I've been trying to grasp. And you're saying my, uh, you're saying that's, that story. Was that for you? That's really, uh, um, one of, one of, yeah. That's good. I'm not, t- I'm not yeah. trying to take all the credit here. I mean, I'm not trying to take all the credit. I'm just saying, no, that means, yeah, it means a lot to hear uh, that in any way <laughs> that helps. No, of course. And, and to hear like this, yeah, something that was super shitty for you. And then to, I don't know, for it to resonate with someone, it's weird. That's weird. Well, <laughs> I'm so happy to help. And just to remind you where that you heard that story, it is, of course, from my special career suicide available now on Spotify. Kidding. It's real. But I knew I was like in my head, like, would that be funny to do the grossest plug of all time? I understand what I just did was gross. I did it to try to make you laugh and the listeners laugh. That's what, that's why I had to do the worst plug of all time. Most of this, of course, is because I am in many ways still uncomfortable in my own feelings and... I had to break the sentimental and tender, honest moment with a joke, as one does. Now, can I ask, can I ask, so you said you were getting really depressed, it sounds like, or some version of it. I'm not trying to diagnose you. You were self-medicating. We all know that might mean drinking, that might mean pills, that could mean any number of things. How does that, how does, I'm just going to ask the hard question. How does that balance with having... Having a kid, how does that, at that point, your daughter would have been what, around like six years old? Well, um, the time that it was, I was drinking a lot. Um, so it was, I mean, she was probably anywhere from three to 
three to six ish, you know, something like that. Um, very strong willed child, which is going to get her far in life. (laughs) I remind myself, (laughs) but, um, at that time, uh, it was really hard because I would be, I, I, when I did get diagnosed, it was major depressive disorder and, you know, just my moods were not stable. Um, I would be hungover, you know, a lot, (laughs) not so much when I was as young, it didn't last as long. I realized, but, um, I guess irritable and, you know, not consistent. I learned very quickly that parenting is important as for a strong-willed toddler with uh, consistency in, you know, what they get in trouble for, what is good and what is what they can't do. And I was not consistent at all. Um, I'd often, when I was out, she'd be like at my parents' house and I'd stay there at night and, or, you know, whenever I got home and stuff. So it, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. Um, as far as being a good parent, I, I feel, feel like I definitely could have been better, but I don't know. It's, Life is a weird, weird thing. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But did I, you? I hope I've made up for it. Yeah. Well, let me. Did you have a? <laughs> uh, did you just kind of eventually get there and realize this? Uh, I need to. I need to. There needs to be a breaking point. I need to fix this. Or what? Did you have a classic sort of like moment of truth where that breaking point revealed itself, or was it more slow and gradual? Uh, it was. It was a moment. It was that moment in the church at my grandma's funeral that I. Right. That I really like. I just like I can see it in my head, you know, sitting there, and the feeling that came over me in that moment just that I couldn't keep living the way I was or existing really. It wasn't, it wasn't living much. It was just going through the motions and being there, just, just trying to get by every day. Yeah. But I knew I couldn't leave my little honey. So (laughs) she needs me and I need her and, we're doing good. That's good. That's right. good. And I, this might be a weird thing to <laughs> yeah. say, and I hope this doesn't feel pandering, but I, sometimes I wonder if uh, sometimes I, sometimes I wonder if a kid is best served by a parent who has bounced back from stuff because right. Yeah, I see. Yeah. My guess is that your daughter is never going to feel judged by you. My guess is your daughter is going to feel like she can fight through a lot of things because she's seen you fight through a lot of things. And I've heard, mm-hmm. I've heard in some of the things you say, you kind of say, like, I hope I can do better. And it sounds like there's some guilt or regret. And who am I? I don't know you. Like, if you're still processing that, you're still processing that. But I would have to imagine that now that you have your head on straight, 
it might be such a such a source of strength and such an asset to your daughter to know that she's strong-willed and you feel like she's going to go very far and she's also seen what happens when someone gets knocked down and gets back up again. I feel like that that could be a secret weapon that serves her down the line. I hope so. I do. And I definitely encourage her to talk to me just about how she's feeling, what's going on, you know, especially at this age where she's changing a lot and it's just life is weird and I don't know, a lot just starts to not make sense when you're going into middle school and, oh, God. That's the worst stretch of When I found existence. out I was having a girl, this was the first age I thought of. I was like, oh, man, I'm getting, I'm getting paid back. Middle school. I am gonna, I'm getting revenge from, or I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting uh, what I gave, basically, is what I'm going to have. Why don't they, why doesn't someone just step in and change middle school? Why don't we change what that is for people? Because you've never heard one person go, oh, my favorite stretch growing up, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. That's when things were really on easy street. <laughs> Everybody, I went to a middle yeah. school. This I haven't really talked much about this on the show. I grew up in a suburban town that was actually very uh, beautifully diverse in many ways and very divided in many ways. And our town had a distinct section that was better than the other section. And the middle schools, there were two middle schools. And one was in all the good neighborhoods went there. And then there was mine. And it when I say that it was violent, I'm not kidding. There were fights every day. My brother got beat up once so bad that his shoulder was broken in a fight in middle school. Middle school. Yeah. Middle school in the American education system, at least when we grew up, it was like sending kids to a weird, like, fight pit, a weird gladiator pit where everything is violent for the boys and, like, emotional torment for the girls. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Middle school. Down it's with middle weird. school. Um, middle school just... I mean, I don't think there's any way around it. I'm going to just see if my son... I'm just going to ask my the school system if my son can skip from fifth directly to ninth grade. I'm going to see if he can just skip. <laughs> see if we can get this kid smart enough, make him, like, a little doogie hauser. Because I'm sure that ends well. Start now. I'm sure that ends well being four years younger than everyone else in high school. I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah, no problems will come from that at all. <laughs> I guess there's no way around it. I guess there's no way around yeah. it. Yeah. Now. Yeah, but you do look at the world differently when you when you're the parent. You know, like, I was just gonna ask of all the things. Ah. Just gonna ask, like when you're looking at your daughter's experience, what are the things you see yeah. that are eye opening? Do you? I was also gonna ask, like, are there parts of herself, are there parts of you that you see in her, and being that you've been through some oh. tougher stuff, are there part? Like, I have real fear. I, I've, I've. I talked with my wife about it and I broke down in tears just like I am praying this kid is a happier person than I was at certain stretches of my life. I hope he never has to feel as lonely yeah. as I felt. 
it's one of my great fears. And I yeah. almost feel like I want to ask you about it because you got an older kid where that stuff might start showing itself. Do you fear that? Is that a fear? Um, it, it's kind of funny that you bring that up. Uh, just when I was in, so my daughter's finishing fifth grade next week. Um, and I went into, or when I was in sixth grade, I began, um, I have this, uh, what do they call it? It's a repetitive body focused behavior. R, what is that? R, B, F, B. Um, it's called trichotillomania, where I pull hair out compulsively. Okay, okay. Um, and that started for me in sixth grade, and I still do it like all these years later. Um, where, you know, I never have eyelashes because I pull them all out. And it's, it's usually an anxiety and stress related thing. But at this point in my life, it's just, I just feel like it's a thing that I've done forever that is never going to go away. Hopefully I can get some kind of relief, but I mean, the eyelashes, eyebrows, eyelashes, you know, just eyelashes. That's, I have to say that sounds really painful. (laughs) sounds like real physical pain. It's. I mean, yeah, it's not really for me, but it's all right. But anyway, related to that, she um, has been kind of picking at her skin, and it's the same kind of like almost almost obsessive picking at something. You know, something's imperfect, so she's trying to she's trying to pick a scab or something like that, and she's been doing that a lot lately. And I'm thinking, oh man don't don't have this because there is a related uh condition called dermatillomania yeah uh, where it's skin focused um and so that kind of a thing uh i never wanted her to have to deal with but um if it is something you know i'm i i want her to know that i understand and um we'll do what we can and i know there's um what cognitive behavioral therapy usually is the best um, best treatment of it. Yeah. I've I haven't done that. My yet, my <laughs> doctor who I've been with forever has like a has a lot of a lot of stuff that is rooted in CBT and I I've actually recommended it to a lot of friends of mine cuz my understanding is that on a basic level Cognitive behavioral therapy is less about let's get in touch with your emotions and think about your past and more let's take some concrete actions right now to break the habits you're falling into. Mm-hmm. And I found that very yeah. useful, especially as like an early stopgap as I sorted out my mental health of like, before we get down to the roots of where all this pain is coming from, let's just do what we can to stop you from thinking about how cool it would be to have construction equipment <laughs> fall on you. Let's just, first of all, let's just you know? break that habit. <laughs> And then we'll figure out what it's about once we've stabilized that. Yeah. I really like CBT. I give that a big thumbs up. Nice. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I've heard very good things about it. I just haven't quite gotten to that. Yeah. I haven't quite gotten around to it yet. <laughs> yeah. I bet it would be good for your daughter. I bet so. You know, yeah. it's funny. We were talking yeah. about punk rock before, and I have a very good friend who comes from the punk rock world. 
And uh, she actually played some of the hold music that you were listening to. Her name's Laura Stevenson. And she just put out a new beautiful album and has a song on it called Dermatillomania about how she deals with that. Really? That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, about, about dealing with that. Same thing. As soon as you said it, I was like, yeah. oh, my friend just uh-huh. put out a song about this. It's a uh, it's effort yeah. to sort of control your life through some some, you know, some self-harm that can range in severity. Yeah, it's it's frustrating for sure. And I I know I probably have a touch of it too, just being related to the hair pulling, but my hangnails and dry skin on my hands and usually get pretty raw on my thumb. And I'm wearing a, uh, it's kind of like a spinner ring, you know, on my thumb now where it's these three interlocked rings um, that I can kind of just fidget with when I want to be picking up the, the skin there instead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I'm, I've been uh, picking at it during our call quite a bit. <laughs> well, there's no need to be nervous during the call if that's too, and we're having no, a fine conversation. I'm, and I'm feeling I'm feeling a lot better than I was earlier. <laughs> Good. Good. I was, just, I was just a little nervous. As I'm sure a lot of people are. Ah, but then you meet, but, but then anybody who meets me in real life tells you that I'm just like a squirmy little man with very little to say, who is <laughs> quite shy and bad at making eye uh, contact. Yeah, it's also I'm really good at uh, just fumbling over my words and making myself sound like an idiot. So, oh, it's when I usually talk to people, it's pretty great. Another thing we have in common. Now, when you see, and one of those you, things that you. Oh, oh no, you go for it, please. <laughs> Finish up your thought. Well, I was just saying I'm one of those people that doesn't know how to end a conversation. So, um, especially like a small talk thing at yeah. the store. So I'll either, one, <laughs> avoid the situation completely um, and pretend I don't see the person. And then, or two, like, there's no avoiding it. Have to say hi and then be like, oh, okay, bye. Yeah, I do the same thing. Have this weird stumble, stammer uh, thing, or I'm like, okay, have a good day. Okay, bye. I do the same thing. I I feel the same anxiety about it. And then I feel so bad because people come up to me. My whole career right now is based on this podcast, which this reputation (laughs) is that I'm this conversationalist. Like I'm a professional conversationalist. And then somebody will see me yeah. on the street and they'll be like, hey, I really love the podcast, man. And I'll be like, oh, uh, uh, th- thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, and they're just like, oh. And then people are like, you're a professional conversationalist. So they feel like it must be their fault. And it's like, no, much like everything in my life, it is my fault, actually. Just me. Yep. I'm saying something very real right there, and I think any fan of Beautiful Anonymous who has met me on the streets or after a show would give that a very firm nod of recognition. I am not a good conversationalist in real life. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Summer is right around the corner, so why don't you start your summer off right with Stitcher Premium. Stitcher Premium has an amazing Memorial Day deal going on that you don't want to miss. You get 35% off your first payment for a limited time when you go to stitcherpremium.com slash Memorial Day and use promo code SUMMER. That means you get an entire year of Stitcher Premium 
for less than 23 bucks. And remember, beautiful and honest fans, we got a lot of Stitcher Premium content. We got a whole bunch of live shows that you can't hear anywhere else. We have our whole entire back catalog, which is massive at this point, 150 episodes. Uh, we got our our beautiful follow-ups where we do uh, follow-up calls with some of the most popular callers of all time. So there's a lot of reasons to do it. And for 23 bucks a year, might as well go sink your teeth into all of it. You can also binge on comedy originals like Big Grande's Teacher's Lounge, which the AV Club says mines pure gold from education's underbelly, or take advantage of hundreds of hours of ad-free true crime shows like Dirty John and Dr. Death from the Wondering Network. With Stitcher Premium, you also get thousands of hours of original content like the new seasons of Marvel's Wolverine, which uh, you check out the first season. This guy right here, I play uh, an unnamed librarian. One of the high points of my career. You also get with special guest Lauren Lapkus. I was an early guest on that. You get early access to new releases, exclusive bonus episodes, your favorite podcasts, ad-free archives, hundreds of stand-up comedy albums. Just go to stitcherpremium.com slash Memorial Day and use the promo code SUMMER for 35% off your first payment. Thanks again to everybody who sponsored Beautiful Anonymous. Now let's finish off this phone call. Much like everything in my life, it is my fault, actually. Just me. Yep. Now, when you see your daughter starting to display some of this stuff, and it's this road that you fell down that you know has become like this problematic loop for you that you're in, do you sit your daughter down and say something, or are you just sitting there going, oh, no, 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 or do you just right away go, hey, don't fall into this. It can get bad. Well, I just, I leave it very open um, and let her know that, uh, like I said before, that I understand that it's a thing and we're not ignoring it. Um, and you know, if she ever wants to talk about it, I'm always all ears. Um, it hasn't gotten to a point where I like I'm concerned obviously but I don't feel like we need to do any intervening quite yet but I mean she could probably benefit well everybody can uh, benefit from some therapy at this time <laughs> she's been kind of I don't know I think it would help to get some tools um for her to express different emotions and you know maybe take care of stress in different ways but um, yeah, I've been, you know, one of those things I've been meaning to do and, but I just leave it very open and I just always hope that, you know, I talk, I've, I've, she knows about how, when I'm stressed out and if I'm being crabby, I'm probably stressed out about something, but she, um, she, she, I don't know, she understands and then she knows that she can talk to me about how she's feeling. So That's good. I just always, I hope it just continues on in that direction. That's good. <laughs> Sounds like she's a good kid is what I'm picking up on. She is a good kid. She's, she is. That's so, good. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she... Like I was saying, when I found out I was having a girl, all I could think of is how I was as a teenager <laughs> with my mom. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this makes sense. This is great. 
Um, and really, like, I, I, I wish my mom would have trusted me more. You know, it, when I, I never drank or smoked or anything um, while I was in high school. But, of course, all my cool punk rock friends did. <laughs> so, uh, but I didn't want to get in trouble, you know. I was, I was the good kid. And so I think she just, she was trying to prevent me from going down a certain path that I really wasn't even on at that point, but she thought I was going to be, I don't know. So she saw your friends, she saw your friends and she was real concerned, but then, so then, so then when you have to drop the bomb that you've gotten pregnant in high school, that must be a unique <laughs> level of panic that you've never known before since that um, feels like it's valid. It. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, I will not even pretend <laughs> that I can understand because not only do you have this life-changing situation that you are in over your yeah. head as a kid, but it must also feel like, oh, I'm about to validate every concern my mother just had. <laughs> When she, when she was wrong yeah. the whole time, there's a lot of layers yep. to that combo, huh? Uh huh. Oh yeah, yeah. I can't yeah, imagine. Yeah, it was it. one of those things. Like, you ever like? I don't know. Did you ever have to uh, say something? I don't know to your parents or something, and you really were trying to work up the courage to say it, and yeah, so you just kind of like. We're lingering around trying to find the right time to I mean, mine, go I, for it. I talk about this in career suicide <laughs> sure as well. I had, to, well. I had, well, I had to. I remember waking my mom up in the middle of the night, like two or three in the morning, and saying, "Mom, I just need to say this. I'm. I think about. I think about suicide all the time, and I need help." And yeah, yeah. Her in her, the image of her in her bed, just going, ah. What, like I, I still remember. Oh, I, I, I might as well have just taken both of our hearts out of our chest and just whipped them against uh-huh. the wall as hard as I could. But she stepped up, yeah. And my dad stepped up, and it was really hard. That was my version of it. And I don't. I will say, for as hard as that yeah. was, it doesn't sound like it holds a candle to the conversation you had. <laughs> it, it, um, yeah, it was a lot, and it. And, like I mentioned, my mom was, she was even younger than me when she had my oldest brother. And, um, so she, she just wanted to support me, I guess. That's good. She knew what I was about to deal with. That adds another layer to it. That adds another layer where you're also, you're, you're sitting here going, my mom has always thought I was a problem child that I was not. I have to tell her I'm pregnant, which is a hard conversation in general. I'm sure there's then some elements of she's probably always made it clear that she doesn't want me and my siblings going down the road. She went out. I'm now doing that. That mm-hmm. is it good now that you're older? Is it good to know that you have hopefully had the hardest conversation you'll ever have to have in life? Knock on wood. <laughs> is it good realizing, okay, yeah. well, I got it out of the, I got the, I got the most stressful conversation of my life out of my way in high school. That is there any liberating but feeling sorry, to that now? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. Uh, it it is pretty nice to to think about. Um, but actually, my uh, oldest brother 
that she had had uh, his daughter was born when he was a teenager too. So I was like the third one that this happened to. And oh boy! Just kind of. <laughs> yeah, oh it was, boy! <sighs> Luckily, uh, it stopped with me. My younger sister did it all right. You know, uh-huh. she she uh, graduated high school, then got married, and then had a baby. So broke the cycle. <sighs> Yeah, we decided to avoid all that, you know, in the middle. Now, can I ask, you had mentioned that having your daughter, you feel like really saved you in so many ways because you had mentioned that, you know, you you said earlier in the call, like having my daughter, I think really helped me in terms of I was self-medicating and knowing I needed to get my head together. Were there, were there, plans you had or any track you were on that did get diverted when you had a kid or did you kind of just push through and follow the plan you had beforehand anyway? I'm just really interested. Um, well, I didn't really have a solid plan, I guess, at, was I, I don't know, I was pregnant when I was 17. Um, I mean, I I think I was just planning on going to the community college that we have here in town mm-hmm. to start with. And then I was hoping, you know, to move and explore and do all of that. But I didn't have any real solid plans. Um, and of course, so, I mean, a lot of stuff didn't get derailed when I found out I was pregnant. You know, it was just kind of, like, oh, well, this changes the whole trajectory now. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to yeah. change how I proceed. And I did I did um, decide finally that I was going to pursue a career in graphic design. Um, and they have a two-year program at the community college in town that because um, I knew I wanted to get into the workforce as quickly as I could so I could support my child. And so that's what I did. And all these years later, I'm still doing it. So that's pretty cool. That's I know awesome. some people go to school and then never use their, <laughs> their degree or whatever. So Yeah, congrats. That's cool. That's not easy. You know what I just had the thought yeah. of in my mind? You know, it's so funny you said you were like, one of the things you planned on doing was kind of just exploring the world and that's what got diverted. But then doing the math, if I'm doing it right in my head, when your daughter goes away to college, you're going to be younger than I am now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've already done that math a few times. Oh, um, so you're, you're when wait- people are like, <laughs> when are you having more kids? I'm like, well, what? <laughs> um, he's 11 now? I can't imagine. I, I really, like, when you were talking at the beginning of the call about, you know, your son is so little and so young, he, he doesn't even have vaccinations yet, so you can't even be around him when you're sick. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I cannot imagine. <laughs> I can't imagine go, reverting back to that, that very dependent state. <laughs> I just can't. I'm like, yeah, I'll be, I'll be 36 when she graduates. So that's crazy. That's so, that's. Yeah, then, then I guess. 
what a cool thing where I would imagine that you get, you know, and maybe, maybe things will change. Maybe you will, you know, maybe the next frontier will involve like, oh, I do want to have more kids. And I've, I've wound up in a situation or with a person where that seems like such an exciting thought. Maybe it is that, but if not, there's a chance that you're 36 and your kid has become independent in in that way where it's like, yeah, no, I know where she is and there's infrastructure and I can feel safe. And if I want to go see Italy, I can still do it. And I'm pretty young. Right. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm 38. Yeah. I had my kid kind of a I had my kid late. Yeah. So I've realized I've kind of come to grips with like like the fun like I'll be able to travel again in 20 years, but at that point I won't be I'll be pushing 60 and my body will be yeah. breaking down a little bit and I won't be able to use stairs as well and I won't ever have the experiences again of like just run around this world doing that and you get to do that yeah you get to still be young on the other side of this that's so cool (laughs) yeah do you have the bucket list ready do you have those things when you're like when i'm 36 um here's the five things i'm gonna do (laughs) where do i start yeah i can Uh, imagine i i haven't really really i don't know nothing officially on a list or anything just general things you know I want to go overseas to Europe. I want to see different places and, I don't know, see places here, too, because I don't really travel the States as much either. But now that she's older, she's easier to travel with, obviously. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I have, I am sure there will be a lot of experiences. So you might you you might be able to be thirty six years old, daughter's someplace where you feel like she's safe, learning how to fend for herself, and then you're like, I'm gonna rent an RV and I'm gonna drive all over the goddamn country. You, you could do <laughs> yeah. that. That's so cool. Pretty much, yeah. If I wanted to. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, and the cool thing about um, one of the cool things about my job is I can take my computer with me anywhere, you know, and if I need to work on something, I can, and um, it really does give me some some freedom to to not have to be in one place all the time. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good window of life you're a couple of years away from. Yeah. That sounds good. <laughs> I know, it's kind of scary close, like, when I think about it. I bet. I bet. Yeah. I've been having a, I'll be 30 this year. So I've been feeling, you know, just, oh, well, that's it for the 20s then? Like, that's what, that's what the 20s are all about then. Just not knowing what you're doing at all. I mean, you had a hell of a 20s too. You had a hell of a 20s. (laughs) Um, yeah. Yeah. I just keep keep uh, envisioning my 30s to be pretty pretty stellar. Well, I tell you, it sounds like I've got a decade ahead of you. And here's the astounding <laughs> thing. Here's a really astounding thing for me. And I don't know if this is true for everybody. I have found that my 30s were hands down better. <coughs> Excuse me, shaking this thing off. 
Bless you. Thanks. I have found that my 30s were just hands down better, more fun, more interesting than my 20s. And I have a feeling my 40s are going to be even better. I have a feeling... I think I'm going to be happiest when I'm in my 70s. I think I think that's when I'll peak is when in my 70s. Nice. Just keep putting it off. That'll be my peak. Yeah. What a uh, what an interesting spot you're in. Yeah, it is. It is. And actually, just the other just the other day earlier this week, I had a local business that's shutting down. Or not shutting down, but the, the owners are retiring, and they contacted me at the printing company, and they asked if I would be interested in buying their business. And I was like, uh, "Me? <laughs> I'm just—I don't know how to do that." Wow. But I was like, "Well, I am almost thirty, and I've been a graphic designer for several years, like ten years now, probably, and." Um, I am qualified for that kind of a, a, a proposition, <laughs> but it just doesn't seem like, you know, I just feel like I still don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And does anybody know? I mean, I guess, I don't know. Nah, definitely I like not. when my mom, yeah, I like when, uh, my daughter's friends, parents also are just kind of winging it. Yeah. I'm like, Hey. I like you. <laughs> anytime I anytime I meet someone who seems to express that, like, no, I've got it pretty figured out, I assume that they're a broken sociopath. I assume that on the oh, inside, they uh, are the craziest person I've ever been around. That is the only explanation. <laughs> yeah. Jer- Harry's always walking around here. Harry's yeah. always walking around this studio going, yeah, I got it all figured out. Harry's always, that's his catchphrase. I, I got it all figured out. He's always saying that, and that's why I know. This guy is full of <laughs> demons and rage. Down. Yeah. Yeah, big time. Mine is always, mine Mine always seems to be everything's going to be okay. Yeah, we'll be and fine. We I be see fine. that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm like, well, it'll all get figured out. I don't know how. I don't know when, but it'll be okay. Everything's going to be fine. Kind of, kind of started when, uh, you know, I found out I was pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> that whole thing. So it was more like everything happens for a reason at that point. And then now it's just figuring it all out. Just keeping, keeping my head on my shoulders and trying to keep going. You know what I really like about this conversation we've had today is that it's, it's felt like so laid back and energy wise, it's felt very mellow. And then if you review the course of the information, I feel like anyone listening right now is like, holy shit, this caller's really, like, walked a tightrope in life and managed to stay up on it. I think that's <laughs> a pretty cool combo. The mellowness versus the information. Yeah. That's a good yeah. reminder. You're just living. You're just rolling with the punches. That's very true. That is very true. And you just, Yeah can't control what what's coming at you so just roll with it now we got we got less than two minutes left if there's anything else you want to get on record less than two minutes um i don't know i uh nothing really in particular uh uh, yeah i have no like profound last words 
That's fair. You know what my favorite Bouncing Soul song is? What's that? It's called So Jersey. That's a good song. Oh, yeah. That's a good song. That is a good one. That's on the gold the gold record. It is on the gold record, and it makes me proud of my home state, and it has that line, we're betting everything on ourselves tonight, which I feel like is a very Jersey sentiment. Mm. Good old yeah. Bouncing Souls. Cool. Never bombed harder. Never felt <laughs> more... Like I was in the crosshairs on stage than at that every and it, usually when you bomb, you do your 10 minutes, your 15 minutes, and you get off stage and you lick your wounds. But when you're hosting a show, you got to come back. And I bombed in my opening bit to the point where I was getting heckled and booed. And then I had to come back in between every band and walk back into that. And every time I'd tell myself I'm going to get them back, and I never did. That's rough. Yeah, woe is me. I'm hey, here complaining when you're telling me the, the story of being a strong survivor who has pushed through and, th- and thickened your skin in life and kept your head on straight for yourself and your daughter. And I'm complaining because a show went well, f- went poorly five years ago. Hey, you persevered. You rolled with it. Nah, you didn't. You, okay. you persevered. <laughs> you rolled with it. Yeah, well. Everything is going to be okay. And our time is up. That was a really eye-opening conversation, and I thank you for it. I'm surprised. <laughs> it's, just, it's just my life. <laughs> Caller, thank you so much. I feel lucky that I got to talk to you. One thing I didn't get to say in the course of the call, as I go about the rest of my life, especially in the realm of parenting, I really hope that I figure out how to just keep my head on my shoulders and keep doing it for my kid the same way you have for yours. So cool to hear about how your daughter has inspired you and how you take care of her. I send you both a lot of love and good luck in the future. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you to uh, In The Booth special guest Andy Christens. Jared decided he wanted to just uh, go uh, lay out in Bryant Park today and just soak in the sun. But thank you anyway, Jared O'Connell. Thank you to Harry... I got it all figured out. Nelson, thank you, Justin Winville, for your help in my life in all ways. Thank you to Shell Shack. Want to know more about me when I'm getting out on the road? Go to chrisgeth.com. Hey, if you like the show, one of the best ways you can help, you go to Apple Podcasts, you rate, you review, and most importantly, you subscribe. Okay, now that that's done, I'm going to save my voice. I'll see you next time. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous, all of us out there probably have a story of a roommate situation gone awry, but none quite like this. I was living with this girl in college who I bonded with really, really quickly. I didn't realize that that was because she had borderline personality disorder. She was convinced that she could see dead people and hear them and talk to them. And she was also... Through the years of living with her and being secluded with just her and not really getting to socialize much because she would get angry if I had other friends, um, she convinced me that she could read my mind. And then one day she just had a psychotic break and threatened to kill me with a knife. (laughs) It was a fun ride. Wow.
That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous.